You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Lynn Bredesen at It's Learning. My um, take on this is that if you don't do cross-functional work, you won't succeed in, in high-pressure situations like this was for us. Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Nordic Podcast. And we have now for five months met SaaS leaders from almost all Nordic countries, but there is still one that we haven't had as a guest yet. And here we come, Norway. Yes. And in this particular episode, we're actually going to explore the, the Norwegian EdTech system. And we're going to speak to one of the fastest growing companies in this space. So we have the great honor to have Lynn, the CTO of It's Learning, to talk to us a little bit about the space, but predominantly about scaling up during a pandemic. And Thomas, uh, for our listeners, maybe we should refresh their memory that there was a little bit of a raffle, a competition a few months ago on LinkedIn. Absolutely. So we asked you, our listeners, what Norwegian company you would like to see on the show. And uh, it was a lot of activity and its learning came out on top. So really happy to be able to have Lynn here and also to focus a little bit more on product, which is a topic that is close to my heart. And we also had the pleasure to have her on a clubhouse panel a few weeks ago as well, where we gathered CTOs and CPOs from different Nordic um, SaaS companies to talk about how do you organize your product organization, how do you work with product management, what roles, what KPIs are involved and so on. So we had a really interesting discussion and I'm looking forward to to talk more with Lynn and talk about how they do it at It's Learning. Definitely, let's do it. Today we are very happy to have Lynn Bredesen, the CTO of It's Learning here as a guest at the SAS Nordic Podcast. So welcome, Lynn. Thank you so much and thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Yeah, and we were very happy to have you in the CTO-CPO panel we had in Clubhouse a while ago, where we talked about how these departments or these functions can work together, how you organize your company and so on. And today we get the opportunity to dive a bit deeper into you guys at It's Learning. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah. And, and I'm also particularly excited to, to have you here and, and to hear your story and its learning story because you guys are interacting with, with my kid and with Thomas' kids every day. So, <laughs> so, so I want to know what is it that you guys are telling them? What's happening over there in the iPads? Absolutely. But uh, maybe, Lynn, you can start by just telling us a little bit more about yourself. Yes. So my name is Lynn Bredesen and I'm the CTO of its learning which is Europe's largest learning management provider. Um, I started Innis Learning in 2015 as a project manager in the technology department. Uh, After working there for a while, I was asked to um, head the development team in this learning, taking care of uh, the the deliveries, making sure that the release processes and and development processes were uh, efficient and making sure that all the deliveries, development teams were delivering according to the company goals that we have. Okay. Have you always been in tech? Yes, in many various roles. But yes, everything connected to technology. But my passion is the link between people and technology. Okay. How do you support the teams and, and make people grow when, when working with technology? 
So are you a computer geek at home or, or is this more uh, the professional side of you? Um, no, it's, it's more on the professional side. Um, so, so I have a technology degree from NTNU, which is uh, one of the tech universities in Norway. Um, and after that, I've been various, but my focus is uh, user experience, making sure that we deliver value, right? It's, it's not only about delivering cool techy things, but we need to make sure that the value is brought to our customers in a, in a good way. Great. So uh, speaking about its learning, um, I think a lot of us know it's learning via our children and schools. Uh, but can you tell us briefly, who is your customer and what problems do you solve for them? Yes. And before we dive into that, I just want to make sure that we all understand that, especially in ed tech, there is a difference between the word customer and our users. Mm -hmm. We're trying to cater for both our customers, which can be a big district of schools. Um, and, and they have different goals. Uh, usually the districts and the customers wants to provide some kind of online tooling. Maybe they have some goals around dropouts in school, more on the general basis, how are we going to succeed with technology and education? While our users, the teachers and students, might have other um, goals when it comes to uh, personalized learning uh, and also efficient workflows, making sure that they have few clicks to achieve uh, their uh, goals. So it's a little bit different uh, um, and we need to make a distinction between that. So just a little bit on the general side about its learning, we are um, across uh, the world. We support four and a half million uh, users across the world. And it started actually in Bergen as a high school project in 1998. Okay. So these uh, students asked themselves actually a question where they wondered why didn't their teachers use digital tools to teach? The tools sucked. <laughs> or nothing was available. Yes. So they bought the, they, they started to build an LMS from scratch. And this was a hub where you can uh, share your files. It could be uh, how do you hand in assignments. Um, and it was a hit, actually. It was a trailblazer in Norway and, and really early adoption, uh, both in Norway, but also when we uh, started to, to go out in Europe in 2004. Just about the usage, right? We have more than 2,000 customers across the world. And on the usage side, we have had almost a billion logins, unique logins in uh, 2020. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're going to go back to sort of what happened during 2020 and uh, how that affected you. But first, just understand what um, sort of um, schools, uh, how old are your users, so to speak? Is it from like four years old and up to like university or, or where are you guys in that? Yeah, so it, it is from primary uh, education up to university, higher education. Okay. The strength, it's not many uh, first graders who log into its learning, right? So it's the strength is from fourth, fifth grade and upwards. Okay. You are using it as a planning tool as well. Um, and, and for the younger generations, if, if not the students themselves log in, the teacher is still using it for planning and, and making sure that the resources are, are there and, and they are according to the overall plan for the district. Are you just working with schools or do you work with other type of um, educational organizations as well? No, so we, our focus is, is schools. Uh, 
for instance, uh, uh, company training and and uh, on that side. So it's 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 from primary to university range. Okay. Just out of curiosity, my my boy is is, is too young, so I don't get the, the iPads home. But you said your users are uh, teachers and and the students. Are are the parents in any way also a, a side user or or a part of your story? Yes, that depends a little bit on on the strategy from from the district or the customer, right? What they do achieve, mm-hmm. and this also differs from country to country. Uh, whether they they want that per, uh, parents to be part of it, uh, but yes, they log in and they can check their their kids' uh, homework. They can check uh, their grades, uh, everything. Yeah, that's very that's very interesting. And I know we're going to talk about the, the the technology side today, but me being a sales guy. Uh, in my head, I'm starting to see like, okay, you're selling to a certain extent to municipalities and you have to go these formal processes of uh, how they procure and so on. You also have to at some point convince the users that this is the right thing, but potentially you can get the pull or push maybe from the parents if they're aware of that. So they go to their schools and be like, hey, we need to have something like this. So I think from a sales exercise and, and positioning exercise, it's, it's an interesting topic as well, how you guys bring this to market. And I think especially in the private schools, maybe the parents have more power and they can sort of lobby towards the, the board of the school and so on. Mm. And, and because of this, we're also working on, on a specific app only targeted to parents. Okay. You know, get log in. They can even get information for if their kids go to different schools. Mm-hmm. And, and both of those, of course, use its learning. Then you can get aggregated results and, and information about your kids in one app. Very cool. Can you give us some concrete examples of feedback that you've received from your customers and users in terms of value perceived? So one of the interesting parts about an e-learning system is that the value we bring to the users is also partly what the users bring into the platform. And I actually have a very good uh, example of that because a couple of years ago, my cousin was going from junior high school to senior high school. Okay. And after she started senior high school, she came to me and said, Lynn, that upgrade you made is excellent. I'm really, really happy about the new version of its learning. And the fact was, we didn't even do an upgrade that summer. But the difference was how her teachers chose to use the platform and how much information they put there. So part of our uh, work is how do we make sure that our users are aware of all the different capabilities and how do we get them to use them extensively so they can also be part of bringing that value um, out of the product. Right, right, right. So that means that using the product the right way, according to best practices, people perceive that there is more value. So, so how do you guys go about to making sure that people are using it the right way? So we do some, you know, communication through the product, but also through marketing. In all the different countries where we're at, we have uh, marketing events, webinars, and we really love to see when users are doing something in a new way. So then we we bring them out in the spotlight and and have teachers share their best practices as well. Really cool. How many employees are you uh, in its learning? So we are 160 employees in its learning. Okay. I also wanted to mention one thing that is a bit interesting. We have actually been a SaaS company since 2000. All right. Yes. So it would be a long, long experience with being a SaaS company. So you are veterans uh, when we compare to some of the other guests we have been on the show. So 
Cool. Lynn, you already mentioned uh, the amount of customers you have and you're, you're present pretty much all over the world here. Uh, uh, we also wanted to check, can you share anything with us on, on growth rate? How, how have you guys been growing in terms of revenue here over the past year? I, I didn't get that information from the finance team. Uh, and I'm not sure how we can, how much we can uh, uh, talk about that part. But I just want to mention that we are in core markets. We're in 26 different countries. Mm-hmm. And also historically, we've been spending uh, tw- around 20, 25% of the revenue uh, into R&D. Okay. How are you funded? So we are f- uh, fully owned by uh, Sanema, uh, which is a large Finnish media uh, company. Uh, they are um, divided into a learning uh, organization and a media organization. So we're part of that learning organization. Okay. We all know what happened last year in 2020 when Corona struck, and it was a major change for a lot of schools that suddenly had to start with homeschooling and so on. So what happened at its learning when you started to see the effects of this? How did you respond? So it it was interesting, right? We were sitting here in Europe watching everything unfold in Asia and thinking that this we saw the school shutting down there, but it, it was really hard at that point to understand that this would actually happen to us as well, because it did seem uh, really uh, far away from that. Uh, but suddenly it came really fast and it developed in, in Europe fast. And, and we realized that, that schools were shutting down here as well. So the first thing I did, I, I, I made sure that we had a really good cross-functional team. Because what I could have done is just to tell the operations team that, hey, we need to scale. Why don't you go do something about that? But my my um, take on this is that if you don't do cross-functional work, you won't succeed in, in high-pressure situations like this was for us. So I put together a team. It was from support, uh, QA engineers, developers, operations, and just sat them in a room saying that you need to brainstorm. We need to come up with solutions and different scenarios and how this is going to unfold. Okay, so this is before the scenarios actually take place. Yes, yes. So this was the preparation phase, right? Um, and also to keep in mind that even though the traffic increased by more than five times, and also at the same time, the number of concurrent users, which means the number of people logged in at the same time in the platform, which really is, if you're going to scale, you need to scale for that peak. Yeah. Uh, that's increased with more than three times our previous peak before uh, Corona. Okay. That we really fast had to come up with solutions for how to create this amount of capacity in our system. And being um, partly hosted on an on-premise data center and partly in the cloud, uh, we, we saw the challenges on our on-premise uh, data center first. So, so we set up uh, this cross-functional team. We had a daily meeting schedule and, and we used um, so, some task boards to make sure that we got all everything that we needed to do in one place to keep track. Uh, but as this situation was so un- unprecedented, uh, the only thing we really could do was prepare as much as we could upfront. But then we had to sit a little bit and, and observe and monitor what we saw was happening. Okay, so so in short, uh, when you looked at different scenarios, was one of the scenarios what actually happened, or did, did it sort of exceed your expectations? It, it did exceed our expectations. So, so yeah. to foresee that amount of traffic uh, just within uh, less than a week, uh, with five times uh, normal usage, it is uh, really hard. So 
and also when we we looked at bottlenecks, right, and we're able to fix a bottleneck, then the next day, you know, hundred thousand more logged in, right? So then you hit another bottleneck. Yeah, exactly. So when you solve one, three others appear that you didn't see before. Yes. So looking at your solution, some were on-prem, uh, on your own server, some were, were in cloud. So w- what was the main difference there? W- did you just have to adjust a little bit on the levels on the cloud and everything was good? Uh, and uh, what does what did it look like? What benefits did you get from being in the cloud? Yeah, so in the cloud, we were able to scale uh, up uh, fast. How fast? We, we scaled as we saw the usage and traffic coming in. You could do it more or less in real time. So. Y- Yes, yes, okay. we could. Cool. Uh, but we had also some dependencies on what we had in our on-prem system. So so what actually happened and, and the only way we were able to create enough capacity was to uh, move services and customers very, very fast from our on-prem solution to AWS. Okay. This is an ongoing project for us for years, but that was significantly sped up. And, and that is a project that could have taken us three months to do just had to be done overnight uh, just to create enough uh, space on a data center. Okay, so I guess even if this was a pain, uh, the organization, I guess, is quite happy that you could accelerate that. And um, I guess it was a higher buy-in from your customers as well that this was something that needed to be done in order to sort of meet the the demand for your services. Yes, uh, yes, definitely. And and for the customer side, right, the, um, there are a lot of benefits that comes from, from uh, being in the cloud. Um, but of course, you got a different kind of understanding for the challenges of an on-prem solution or a partly on-prem solution from the customer when they saw the, there, there being some challenges um, along the way. Yeah. One thing we talked about in the session we had in Clubhouse was how you organize sort of your product department. So some have everything under one roof with product management and development and DevOps and Q&A, QA and so on. Um, some others separate the product and the engineering or development organization. Uh, so, so what does this look like at its learning and how do you sort of collaborate in between the different teams and parts? Yeah, so in this learning, we have separated the two departments. So we have a separate product department uh, and uh, um, the engineering department. But their ultimate goal, right, uh, is to, to achieve the company goals. So we really make sure that they they meet uh, together in the scrum teams, yeah. which is a cross-functional or cross-department team, really, which include uh, both the UX and product owner from the product side, but also the developers and QAs and Scrum Master from um, from the tech side. Okay, but looking at the product side here, what kind of roles do you have in that organization? So we have a head of product, which sits in the management team in this learning. Okay. Uh, he's responsible for strategy and, and close get information from uh, this, the management team um, and making sure that uh, the, the product development is according to our uh, company goals. In addition, we have product managers, which also have put on the hat as a product owner okay. to work from teams. So, and then in addition to that, we have a UX department working with the roadmap for UX, making sure that we have a holistic approach to our user experience and, and that the look and feel of this uh, system is, is coherent. Okay. Um, so that's on the product, product side. So head of product, uh, 
does that person uh, report to the CEO or? Yes. So you are you are both in the management team then, and in the in your organization, sort of in the development or engineering organization, what kind of teams do you have there? Uh, no, so engineering is the whole department, which includes development, support, and uh, operations team. Okay, so in the other areas of, of the engineering department, w- what kind of teams do you have there, and who do they report to? Yes, so we have three subdivisions in in the technology or engineering department. Uh, one uh, is the development teams, which are reporting to the head of development. And then we have support, which is uh, both uh, first line and second line support. We have divided uh, um, first responders to the customers and also a global, more technical support team. And in addition, you have operations, which is uh, monitoring, uh, troubleshooting, um, and and doing this project as moving customers uh, from on-prem to to the cloud. So a lot of different types of projects they're involved with. Okay. So... Can you give an example of how your Scrum teams can influence uh, product development? Yes, so I have actually a really good example because we give them a lot of autonomy and responsibility. Uh, we tasked one team to improve workflows on a key feature, and the goal was to make it l- easier to use for the features. The hypothesis was that they should focus on the core start page. The team went away, they did a lot of user testing, a lot of investigation, and then they came back to present their findings. They were a bit nervous in the beginning and they prepared that a lot. Were they nervous about you? You were in the room and they... No, to present their findings because it wasn't correlating with a hypothesis, original hypothesis. Okay. They were nervous on on saying that we need to do something completely different than what the original thought was. Uh, But the feedback from the management team was very, very simple. They said that, okay, you've done this investigation. We trust you. You know your future. Let's do it your way and and see how we can succeed together. And the way of doing development in this way uh, gives the team a lot of motivation and and responsibility towards the users to make sure that we deliver uh, the best features we can. So would you say that this is something that you actively encourage for your uh, scrum teams today? Yes, this is the goal, right? The, what we, we feel like a good example of how all our scrum teams should work. Uh, we're not that mature on all areas, but this is really the way that we think product development should look like. Okay, great. SAS Nordic is growing, and now we're launching a unique peer-to-peer community on Slack. My name is Nina, I'm the SAS Nordic Community Manager, and I would like to invite you to join this exciting forum. This will be the place to network, collaborate, and share knowledge with other SAS professionals in the Nordics. The SAS Nordic community is free and open to everyone working in Nordic SAS companies. Come join us at sasnordic.com. We can't wait to have you on board. So uh, all these teams, how would you say that you measure the success? How would you define success for your engineering team? So we have different KPIs and different measurements. Uh, for f- the f- biggest and f- most important one is the uptime KPIs that we have. Uh, stability is in- very important to our customers. Um, making sure that you know if people are doing a test, they, we we don't have any issues. Right. So it is a critical solution, and also the fact that we are across the world really means that there is no good time to say, hey, we will we'll take down the systems for maintenance. So we don't don't do that. It should be 
that is in extraordinary circumstances. Right. So we have quite a high uptime and availability, which we are striving to improve, of course, all the time. Um, but on the development side, and then how do you measure success, right? And I think it is important to distinguish between delivering a feature to production um, compared to people actually know about it and using it in a good way or how we expect it. Right. So having, when we do development, we do these KPIs. We, we say that, okay, we expect this to be used in this and this way and, or, and that this amount of users should take this functionality into um, use. And then we feed that information back into the development process. So if we deliver something we think is a really cool feature, but then no, nobody's using it, then we need to ask ourselves why and what can we do to change that? Right. And then you do new measurements to say, okay, we did this improvement. This is more visible to our users. Mm -hmm. Not the usage increased by yeah, X, X amount of percent, but yeah. I think it, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's uh, me being a sales guy, it sounds to me like that's that's the natural way. So you, you check a lot of on the performance side and the usage side. And usage to me is uh, also to a large extent related to revenue. Is there any KPIs in your organization that is actually linked to the revenue of the company? Yes. And, and, and for that, uh, for instance, availability, right? <laughs> mm. It is a key sales point for our sales team to, to work with. So as long as we hit our target and availability side. In addition, uh, we have a really strong focus on security and, and we're um, ISO 27001 certified within information security. So this is also something that you know ties in with the sales process. And, and our focus on that is actually... Uh, made us um, eligible to, to be in, in some of these larger bids, especially in Germany. Okay. Which which we could not have been part of if we didn't have all this documentation, all these processes, and how do we test the security and, and, and how do we make sure that this is in our backbone uh, for all of our employees? Because our customers' data, uh, that's not our data, right? It's it's the customer who owns it, but we need to protect it right. uh, from, from uh, unwanted behavior or external attackers uh, on their behalf. Right. I think, I think that is important for also the customers to understand that they have the main responsibility, but we have the responsibility to protect it on their behalf. Right, 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 right. And obviously, we, we talked about it. You've seen this explosive growth here over the past 12 months. And I'm, I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts. And you've probably done some scenario planning. Is this the new normal or what lies ahead for you? Like, what are you guys planning for? Yes, so we, we the shift in education has sped up, uh, right? It's you can almost see that uh, maybe we're ten years ahead what we would have been if it weren't for the Corona pandemic. So the way that teachers are embracing te technology within education has has increased so much. Uh, when we look at the usage, um, I expect so we're never coming down to what we saw before Corona, right? Right. right. Uh, and, and we see a different focus on, on uh, from the customer side as well. How do we not only just give the teacher the tools, but how do we make sure that we have this overall arching processes that they should follow that is best practices on how to teach uh, and how can we support them uh, in that area? And uh, there's something called the flipped classroom model, which means that instead of sitting in the classroom every day listening to the teachers, 
they get some homework, some preparatory material to read in the evenings, and then they discuss it the day after. And this is a lot easier to facilitate with technology uh, um, than just the pure uh, on uh, in classroom teaching. Okay. Okay. Is it is it fair to say? Uh... This is me making an assumption now, <laughs> but is it fair to say that uh, it's learning and companies like you are changing the nature of how we teach our kids and how they absorb new things? Or is this still driven by the the teaching institutions, so to say? So what we see, right, is that flexibility and personalization around education and learning is key, right? And talking about this flipped classroom model, when you read something or you listen to something, you learn in a completely different way than if you read it first and then you actually have to reflect and discuss and, and, and have, have these, um, thoughts around it. So uh, the, the way of learning has changed. Right. And, and technology is, is, is making it feasible to learn in a better way than, than traditional learning methods but it's not the technology driver driving it but it's supporting it and we wouldn't be able to do it without the technology right 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 and and going forward you know for you to support this this continued evolution and to support your customers and and the users what are you guys doing here over the next year is there anything that that keeps you awake (laughs) so for me um i think what we need to focus on is still have a really high focus on the GDPR security part of it, but also the reporting capabilities that we have in this learning. Um, so the it's learning tool is used the whole uh, learning cycle from planning for the teachers to uh, teaching and to we have these reports as well that feeds back into the planning, right? So we need to make sure that this data analytics that we have is supportive of the teacher's needs. So, for example, we will build more on, on the machine learning on this side and then use these reporting to make suggestions for the teachers. So right now they can use the numbers, they have to do it manually, but they can see how long time did a student spend on a resource or how, how many of my students have logged in and used the system today. Right. Um, so I think that um, this kind of su- future suggestion saying that, hey, I see that this student scored, bad, scored low on this test, uh, we should do some extra material reading and get, give the teachers this kind of support, I think will be uh, very beneficial in the future. Really cool. Yeah, sounds really good. So looking back at a few things that we have talked about today, do you have any advice to companies that needs to scale fast? Yes. Um, so make sure that you maintain, uh, right? There's, it's not always that much fun to be sure that you have a future-proof solution. But it's really de- important to take that tech depth that uh, sometimes is boring to do, uh, but to have a good uh, foundation and to build and, and take that depth as we move along. Because it will, if, if this kind of increase comes, and I think everybody should be at some point now prepared to do it, uh, um, we need to be, have, have that good foundation and, and good um, um, senior team also to, to really work with it. We did, we did have to acquire new hardware for the on-prem solution, but that, uh, as, as I mentioned, it took a lot of time to acquire and, and set up. So this is why we're focusing, uh, so much on, on being in the cloud and, and our vision or a strategy in end of 2021 will be to be fully 
cloud hosted. Okay. So, so what we, what we saw really that changed on the user pattern side was that the communication part of it was so crucial for the teachers to reach their students. So um, course messages uh, sent to students increased by 22 times. Whoa. The download of our app, mobile app, where you can get notifications increased by 22 times. Um, and, and number of assignments, which was quite high number from before, increased by seven times. So, so we only, you could say we only have 30% more active daily active users, but all of them spent more than 120% more time in the platform doing five times the work that they did before. So talking about scaling and the concurrency, it's not only about the five times the concurrency, but actually that they did even more work when they were online. So, 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 the, so the amount of work that has been done on the technical side from its learning has been uh, really, really large. Uh, and and, and um, yes, it makes me proud to be a part of a company where, where you see really what people are made of and, and how they work in, in high pressure situations. Yeah, I was just about to say, it makes you proud. It makes us jealous. This is an <laughs> a increase and in, in, in number spikes that the companies can only dream of. <laughs> yes. So what are you looking for right now? Um, I mean, personally, do you looking for any particular talent or so? So you want to do a shout out to, to our audience? Yes, so we're looking for uh, web designers, UX personnel. Um, also on development side, uh, we are, we're looking for people and also technical QAs working on automation. Um, there are some roles that we, we are looking for now. And what I just wanted to add that everybody I'm looking for at least and needs to be, be proactive, uh, because it is important in a company like this to be uh, self-sufficient and be proactive and, and be part of what's happening, solution oriented. And also this uh, passion for education, which we, uh, all have in its learning. And I think everybody in its learning either has a family member like me. Uh, my father was a teacher or they have been teachers before, or they're married to a teacher. So it's, we are very closely linked to the, to the education uh, sector. So Thomas, you would qualify because you have teachers in your family. Yeah, my mother was a teacher. So I'm, I qualify and you other guys out there, you don't, uh, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to school for many years. Does that count? <laughs> yes, but that, that's the thing, right? Passion for education can be so much, right? You can see your struggling. Right, you can uh, have been struggling at school or irritated by a system that hasn't been working before. So there's a lot of ways to have passion for education. Right, yeah. right. And podcasting is also a way to educate yourself. So yeah, yes. <laughs> I guess we are doing our part here as well. That's right. This is really good. So, looking into the future, uh, are there any particular topics you would be interested in? Any particular guests you would like us to invite to the show? So I find uh, Werribee a very interesting company. Uh, which is a online conferencing tool. Um, and I think that they have had a little bit similar story to its learning when it comes to growth. And I assume that they have tackled maybe some of the challenges similarly, but maybe differently. So I would like to hear about their story. And um, especially from Ingrid Ødegård. Uh, she's one of the co-founders and, and chief product officer at Werribee. Okay, cool. We're going to hunt her down then. So yes. <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> yeah. tips. But it has been really great having you on the podcast uh, as well now, Lynn, uh, to hear about your story at It's Learning and on your department. So really nice uh, having you here and uh, 
looking forward to follow you in the future. Thank you so much. And, and again, thank you so much for inviting me and, and wanting to hear about uh, our story at It's Learning. See you around. All right. So Daniel, any takeaways from, from the episode? Uh, there's a lot of takeaways, but I think there's one obvious one. And uh, the conclusion I take here is that here's a perfect example why cloud is so great. They could scale up, you know, it's, uh, I almost said it's one phone call away or one email away and you can scale up your infrastructure with, with Amazon. And I think often I see salespeople, they struggle, you know, when they have a legacy on-prem and they should convince their customers why move cloud. I think listen to this episode and you'll get all the answers to why to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was an easy case for doing, um, for explaining for the customers why they should migrate to the cloud. Uh, so Definitely, definitely. I know you, you're on the product side and, and you're, some of the topics we discuss here, that's some of the, the challenges that you have as well, you know, combining the teams and who does what. So what's your big takeaway today? Yeah, so I mean, one thing that was interesting is to hear how she work with cross-functional teams, uh, so they really focus on getting many of the different roles within the team. Uh, so if we see in their development teams, in their scrum teams, um, both the product manager that also uh, has the role of the product owner together with UX, together with the developers, all are working together. And I, the result of that is also what she mentioned in the end, that if you have those teams, they can be really innovative and and give you a lot of good ideas that you haven't th thought of before so if you let these teams drive the developments and drive ideation at your company they will be high motivated and they will also bring great results more power to the people you said it and uh, just want to remind everyone that we have an upcoming clubhouse event uh, the next session will be about community-led growth We'll have great speakers from uh, Nordic companies and actually global representatives as well speaking about this phenomenon and how you could leverage in your business. Yeah, and we are continuing with our Clubhouse events on Friday mornings and the next theme will be community-led growth. And this time we're going to talk, of course, with our Nordic SaaS leaders, but we're also going to have some special friends from the international community that has experience and knowledge within this area as well. So looking forward to that. And of course, uh, we'd like to encourage you to follow us on LinkedIn and also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you have any ideas on future topics or guests, please reach out on LinkedIn and we'll make it happen. And see you again in two weeks. Bye.